How are we going to slate it? Uh, we, we, I, I've got a backup running. OBS is running, so I can I can hear you on that, and I'll sync oh, it up. Okay. Yeah. I was thinking no. I would just hold my headphones up to my mic or something. Nah, son. We don't need that slate anymore. Tight. We're free of the slate. We've yeah, we nice. liberated ourselves from the slate. <laughs> you could say we're starting off with a clean slate. <laughs> I love it. Hi-o. I love it, Kellen. Hi oh. Let's just start right there. Jokes and jokes and jokes. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Welcome to the show, everybody. It's episode 204 of the Hoopercast Movie Hour. Uh, Kellen is here. I am here. And we're going to talk about movies, baby. Please, no. Consistently starting at 845, of course. uh, (laughs) Not the scheduled 830. A time-honored tradition in, um, in the show's history. Um, if you were listening to the live stream before the show, you might have heard Kellen <clears throat> uh, fiddling around with his uh, with his audio. And uh, yeah, by the way, about that live stream, uh, every Monday night, nine thirty Eastern, eight thirty Central, kind of more like eight forty five, as I as I just said. And it is not Monday today; it's Tuesday. It's um, an honorary Monday. Yes, it is. It certainly felt like one. Uh, yesterday was Memorial Day. Um, and we just sort of said, Hey, let's just not do the show today. <laughs> um, AKA everybody, everybody low key made plans. <laughs> yeah. Everybody was at a cookout with or without, you know? Yeah. And I was, uh, and I, I was just, I was just tired and I was like, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to plug away to a couple of episodes of TV and I ended up finishing the Americans yesterday. So I'm going to talk about that later in the episode. Um, and, uh, yes. So if you are listening live on Facebook, thanks for listening. Hello. Um, we're on iTunes, also Spotify, Stitcher Radio on Demand, SoundCloud, um, Radio Public, a few other, um, you know, podcast apps. Um, and, uh, and that's where the show runs. So you're not going to hear the whole show tonight if you are stopping in and listening, but you can hear all of it on those modalities by subscribing to the show and it's free. Um, yeah. So anyway, I'm I'm sort of trying to check off my little intro sheet here. What I have said, what I haven't said. So I'll just I'll just come back to it. How about that? Hey, hi, Kellen. How are you? <laughs> I'm pretty good. How are you? I'm I'm doing I'm doing well, man. I'm doing. Uh, I still can't nail the top of the show here, but uh, I'm really trying. <laughs> <laughs> well, every single time it's it's practice. Well, yeah, I, I I could do it, but it's just and maybe this is a, a me thing, but, but when every, every time I try to really come in the show and just like, you know, Dan Patrick, the shit out of it, it always just comes off really false. Like, like it's not something I would say or how I would say it. <laughs> yeah. Um, but it's just, well, you a, don't want, you, you don't want to get it to the point where you're just robotic about it. So you might no, as well. It's not, and it's not robotic. It's more just like, here's a bunch of information that's important to know, but at the same time, it's not that important to know it. So, yeah. Um, oh yeah. Dustin's not here to do like the uh, box office numbers. No, I've got the box office, but I ah. don't have his expertise, so it'll be a shorter segment um, <laughs> than than usual. But um, but I, I usually uh, I, I do okay off the cuff on with this, so we'll we'll see how that goes. Probably just jinx myself. Anyway, we are going to talk about the weekend box office um, off the top here tonight, and um, 
you know, Box Office Mojo gave two options this weekend. It's shown uh, it's showing uh, three day numbers and four day numbers since it is a holiday weekend. So let's just treat. Let's just do the three day. Let's start with the three day weekend. Let's start with like regular Friday, Saturday, Sunday numbers for these movies. And then we'll we'll add in Memorial Day um, afterwards. It's not like it really changes anything except for the numbers themselves. Um, of course, over the weekend, <clears throat> excuse me, the biggest release uh, was Aladdin, the the newest in the Disney line of live action remakes of their um, original content, and. Um, so of course here comes Aladdin opening weekend making ninety one million dollars, um, which I don't even know what it made internationally. I should probably click on that and see. But ninety one million domestically, ooh one hundred thirty nine million dollars on the foreign market. So that's two hundred fifty five million dollars worldwide. Um, it's got a pretty big budget. My God, one hundred eighty three million. That's that was the budget. Yeah, that's what this says at least according to Box Office Mojo. So, I mean, that's that's the budget and then some, but that's a pretty huge budget. What is, does it really take 183 million? 183 million? Yeah, but like 30 million of that is Will Smith. I guess, <laughs> yeah, I guess so. Or something ridiculous. Yeah, like no, I'm I'm sure you're right, dude. I mean, that's it, he's obviously the the biggest star on that roster and you know, I, I would Obviously, they didn't go to like you know t- um, Tunisia to shoot this movie. It's largely done on a green screen, so I'm sure there's. You mean just- Agrabah, the non-fictional place? <laughs> they uh, they clearly didn't shoot on location, um, so I'm sure that there's a whole lot of compositing and uh, work that went to you know ILM and Weta and all these effects houses to accomplish the movie. So yeah. uh, there you go. Um, which to me is just a, a whole nother reason not to do the movie live action at all. Because if the bulkier film is going to have to be CG anyways, just go full. Well, and, and this is someone, maybe I'm putting my foot in my mouth as someone who enjoys the Marvel films, but one, they're not largely CG. There's key elements that are CG because of the type of story it is. This is already an animated film. It's not like, it's not like Avengers yeah. is, you know, it's not like they're adapting Avengers from a 1996, you know, animation film directly to live action just to make some money. I mean, that's a wholly new film that that has to be told a certain way. But Aladdin doesn't have to be told in live action and, and shouldn't be. And it's so much cheaper and better if it isn't. Um, I will say, though, the buzz coming off this thing is is not terrible, um, at least not matching the terrible that, that I felt when I saw that horrible trailer <laughs> that, that that super Where Jafar Jafar seems like just as relatable as Aladdin y- yeah because <laughs> he has like a, a just barely just barely post pubescent voice yeah exactly he, he sounds he sounds 15 15 years and one day old and <laughs> he has uh, nowhere near masculine beard and he's he, all I remember hearing was Bring me the lamp, Aladdin. Like, oh, yeah, something like ugh. that. Somebody had to tell me that that was Jafar. I was like, huh? <laughs> what? What? Oh no! Why is that? Why is that small boy asking Aladdin for the lamp? <laughs> no, that's, that's that's the villain. That's the villain. Oh, oh no. <laughs> um. Anyway, ninety-one million dollars. Aladdin is very, very definitively on top, um, uh, knocking John Wick Chapter Three out of the number one spot on its second weekend. Um. 
24 million dollars which is still a really strong open uh, strong numbers for john wick it's crossed the 100 million dollar mark uh domestically god knows what it's made um on the foreign market um actually god knows and now so do i 74 million dollars uh 182 million that's weird that's made more domestically Huh, anyway. Man, I I gotta tell you that's really weird. I even even with everybody talking about it, I didn't know it was that high up because yeah. it's just strange to me because John Wick. When I went to see the original one, I was super super into it. Um, but like nobody, there was like a B movie at the time, and yeah. Um, I I just I mean I guess all the power to him. It's pretty impressive. I read an article that uh, this is the. Like the, the the strongest performance of of the franchise so far, like yeah. Officially. Well, I, I saw it twice, so I mean, I liked it. Yeah. Well, this, I mean, D- Dustin and I were were sort of crunching the numbers before this came out, and we were talking about whether or not this could knock Avengers out, and we both sort of leaned on no, because um, we were Dustin's like, you know, if you look at the opening weekend of John Wick and then Chapter Two, yeah, it's a little more, but not even that much still. Um, but the opening and the attendance for these movies is trending upward. So, I mean, mm-hmm. you know, the next <clears throat> the next installment will probably do uh, pretty well. I, you can expect at least. Um, I mean, yeah. strong and it, it, could- it fell off. It's weird. Every single movie, I swear, it's almost without fail. Every movie on the second weekend falls off 50. It's so it's always 56 percent or more. It's never like, oh, this fell off 30%. It's like, no, it's it never fell arbitrary. off more than half. It, it's weird. It's always that number. That's strange. Um, uh, down to number three now on its fifth week is Avengers Endgame um, with $17 million. That puts it at um, $798 million domestically. Um, on the foreign market, $1.8 billion. So worldwide... Avengers Endgame has now made $2.686 billion and is really close, is knocking on the door of um of Avatar's numbers. Um, which it's really only got a hundred million and you know, probably about 150 million put over the top. Um, oh, that it'll do that easily. Yeah, and so it's weird because after a while I was like, "Oh, it's going to top it," and then the articles were like, "Oh, it's no, it may not top it." You know, it's not to see. And then they're like, "Well, um, it could do it now." So it's it's. I mean, wait I, to see them leave it in theaters for way longer than. Well, and and I keep I keep mentioning this on every single show we do, but we always have a different guest, so I always have to keep pointing it out. Avatar and Titanic are those numbers include like re-releases and like mm. and and, and um, subsequent theater runs. Hmm. So this is the first run of Avengers Endgame. I mean, I don't know that Disney would do this, but if they really wanted to be petty about it, they could just re-release the film, you know, in in whatever a year or so, just to just to even just to pull in fifty million more dollars and, and put it over the top, you know. Yeah. Um. I don't know who I don't know who would go see. You know what I mean? It's it's it would be it would be stupid, but uh, you know, but the principle stands. Um, <laughs> down number th- uh, four is Detective Pikachu, uh, thirteen million dollars. That one's um, making some cash there. Okay, so the, we still have two new entries to the box office down here at number five and six. We have Brightburn opening with seven million dollars, pretty small, and Book Smart 
also pretty small, uh, just under $7 million for that film. Uh, Brightburn is, I forgot the director's name, but this is one of those times where it doesn't matter to me as much because um, the the people working on it who are sort of more famous are James Gunn as the executive producer and um, I think two of his brothers who are the writers. Um, and Brightburn, if, if you're on Facebook, you've seen the advertising for this film. It's a, essentially a an alternate take on... It's not it's not Superman, but you can bet that the pitch was, what if Superman was evil? Like, what if instead of like fighting for truth and justice, Superman like got bullied and really was really antisocial and aggressive and just murdered the entire town yeah. or something? Um, um, it's an R-rated so, horror film, and uh, and I kind of want to see it. I don't know. Have you seen this, Kellen? No, uh, I was just going to say I had a conversation with a friend over the weekend who did see it, who who phrased it exactly like you just said. Yeah. Like, imagine if Superman yeah. uh, turned out evil. Yeah. And and through the conversation, sorry as an aside, through the conversation, I was like, and he was describing certain elements of it. I was like, oh, it's, you know, it's kind of like um, uh, uh, Goku getting sent to Earth by the Saiyans. And then I just went, oh, hey, Goku's Superman. Yeah. And, like, and my... <laughs> And my friend just goes, duh. Yeah. And I was like, I just put that together. Oh, dude. Every time, like, I put that together the first time someone told me that Superman would beat Goku in a fight. I was like, you're you're high. Superman wouldn't beat Goku. Goku came here from a, from a warrior planet on a spaceship. Oh. Yeah. And then you're like, oh. 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 Oh, oh wow. It's yeah. Yeah. So, basically, he said, if it helps... Make me want to go see it more. You know, Dustin's not here. I can say that I'm not a Superman fan. Um, he said, if it makes you want to see it more, you can just pretend the kid is Goku. <laughs> Goku gone bad. Like if he had actually stuck with being yeah, a yeah, if he, uh, if he, uh, warmonger. Yeah, uh, if he had done what he was supposed to do, which was go there and, and destroy the earth. <laughs> <laughs> so who knows? Maybe I'll see it. Does that mean that Vegeta is like General Zod? If, yeah. if Zod like decided to begrudgingly <laughs> stick around, like oh, I won't kill you, I guess I'll live here and stuff too, I guess, and be your friend and <laughs> shit. But I won't, I won't like it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, anyway. <laughs> yeah, I, hey. I would be interested in seeing Brightburn. Michael Grayson was on last week, and he he was saying um, he doesn't think that Brightburn, at least beyond this first weekend, will get like the Dolby um, theater for its showing because they're going to push it out of the way to give it to Aladdin. But he said that he would love to see Brightburn in a Dolby theater, um, <laughs> for what that's worth. What is uh? How is it doing? It's uh. Oh, <laughs> middle of the road review uh reception wise. Yeah, and and that's one of those things. It's an R-rated movie. It's it's I'm 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 gonna go out on a limb and say that it's not doesn't have a happy ending. <laughs> um, so I think that's gonna split people and. You know, it's it's a horror always splits people. I feel like a horror, like I don't think I don't think most people go into come out of a horror film um, universally praising it or crapping on it. Like it's always there's always people who who think that it stuck, it went too mainstream away from the the genre, and then there's people who thought it wasn't you know mainstream enough, and it just stuck to a niche. And it's just you know, yeah. I, I I I feel like you and I are pretty good at like going into a film and just sort of being able to accept it on its own merits, unless it itself. Yeah. Um, like I think we've talked about it before. Rules. Like, 
I never, I've never walked out of a film. Like, I don't understand that. Yeah, <laughs> I don't get that. I don't, I don't, I don't get that. I mean, I mean it's, it's bad, unless it really is that truly terrible, but I just, I've never been so wrong. Uh, I've never looked at a film <laughs> and then gone, I think I would like that at least a little bit. And then yeah. just, and then just been completely wrong. Like I, I know myself a little better than, <laughs> than that. And, and honestly, at that point, I feel like I'd be mad at, uh, past uh, past me yeah. than the movie itself. I'd be like, you idiot. Yeah. You should have known well, that was going to be You should have done your homework, stupid. <laughs> yeah. yeah, Big old dummy. Yeah. Didn't, <laughs> didn't you see the trailer? Yeah. Um, Booksmart, of course, number six. That is Olivia Wilde's uh, directorial debut. Uh, God, if you're listening, you don't know who Liv- Olivia Wilde is. I don't... That's pretty wild if you don't know. I don't... <sighs> Sorry. Um, <laughs> I can't concentrate now. <laughs> um, I don't know what to tell you that she's from. I don't know what what she would have done. Tron Legacy. There you go. Really? Google That's what it. you went with? Well, for like for like mainstream people, there's just just you know what would I've seen her? People ask me that a lot. Like, there's like, oh, what was she in? I'm like, which first of all, that's a question I hate because it's like it, it's not just one thing. People aren't just in one thing. Like, what was she in? It's like saying, where does he work? Yeah. Or, which is a reasonable question, obviously. I'm, I'm contrasting it. Where, where does he work? Where does he work again? Oh, well, he works at uh, the, the place. But, uh, yeah, what, what, what was she in? So, I, don't, I don't have her IMDb page in front of me, and I guarantee you if I rattle I'm off these films. At, I'm, li- I'm like, looking at films right now, and I'm like, shit, I wouldn't know what to say she was in. <laughs> I, like, the, the first time I, I remember Olivia Wilde was Alpha Dog. Oh yeah, which was like thirteen years movie. ago. <laughs> yeah, it's a good movie. It's good. It's, it is good. Anyway, uh, she was in uh, the Incredible Burt Wonderstone. I don't know what the heck that is. That was that. Uh, that was that movie where Steve Carell and Steve Buscemi are magicians. Oh no, it did not do well. Magician movies don't do well. No, they don't. Don't do them. If you're listening and you're, you're writing a magician movie, put put, put the pen down. Except for the illusionist and the prestige, one, prestige, yeah, which I get confused all the time. Yeah, those and were... and and those came out at the same time, <laughs> and in doing so, they they sort of sealed off the space time continuum for magic movies. Exactly, <laughs> they cancel each other out, <laughs> like matter Man, and anti matter. We're, we're so off topic, but I did I did see um, uh, now you see me in theaters when it was out. Oh. It was uh, <laughs> oh man, my ex wanted to see it, and I was like, "Sure," yeah. and I didn't walk out. Sure, as I said, "Wow," but uh, but I was like, "Yeah, Jesse Eisenberg shouldn't be in anything. He's the least likable actor yeah. I think I have ever experienced." It was okay in the Social Network because the whole time you're supposed to think, "God, this guy's such this an asshole, asshole." <laughs> it's like, like you just look yeah. at him and you go, "God, you're just." You're so smug and oh. yeah. Ooh, I don't like you. Um, that was the three day numbers. The four day, I'm just gonna. <laughs> <laughs> now page two. There um, you go. No, it doesn't change that much. It's the exact same order of films. Um, you know everything. You know, Brightburn and Booksmart make a couple. You know, maybe one and a half million dollars more. Um, you know, over the weekend and, and Monday got John Wick from 24 to 30 million. Avengers from 17 to 22 and then um you know Aladdin uh, from 91 million to 116 um 
So actually, does, it, does that does that screw up my in-game numbers? No, it gave me the right one. Okay. Yeah, um, it, it's tough. You never know how to judge a movie over a holiday weekend because in, in a way it's like, okay, like it counts, but it shouldn't really count, which I, I, I don't know. I don't know if that gets factored into like the numbers when they say, oh, this is the this is the numbers that had the opening weekend. Yeah, well, if it's like the 4th of July or Memorial Day or Labor Day, like, does that count for four days? That's, that seems kind of like, like you're cheating. I don't know. Seems fair to me. They decided to release it during that time of the schedule. Right. And then, so that, that was my next question is, does it does it sort of balance out because you're yeah, releasing it so. during a really competitive time of the year? And so you sort yeah. of deserve to to get the uh, to get the extra day. I don't know. Yeah. All right. Well, that's the weekend box office. Um, I always forget to pull this up. What is opening this weekend? Because we, um, we are, you know, we're obviously in summer now, and I'm um, pretty curious. Let me see. I've got the thing pulling up. Let me just. Oh, sh- oh, I want to see Godzilla, even though it's not performing well. Is that this weekend? Yep, Godzilla Apparently. King of Monsters opening Friday. We've also got. Um, <laughs> we've also got um, a film called Rocket Man. That's not. That's not Kellen's. <laughs> <laughs> it's not it is not the um harlan williams uh, uh <laughs> mars <laughs> space travel Wait, movie what would you do kellen this weekend if it was like all right let's see what's going on we got ma opening okay got godzilla king of monster oh, that's cool oh my god they're re-releasing rocket man <laughs> <laughs> i would go see that yeah it's theaters. like all right let's sign me up oh i'll buy god. the i'll buy the uh the d-box ticket for that <laughs> One of my one of my biggest icebreakers with like just meeting anybody is just to be like, oh yeah, my favorite two movies are a movie you haven't seen called Rocket Man, <laughs> and then a movie you have seen but probably think less of me now for saying it's Cool Runnings, <laughs> Cool Runnings and Rocket Man. That's, is Cool that's Runnings really at. one of your favorite movies? It's absolutely my favorite. Rocket I love Man Cool Runnings. S- cool Running is Cool Runnings is my favorite movie of all time. It, Rocket Man is, is it really? <laughs> yeah. What do you love about some? I, I mean, look, I, I, I'm playing devil's advocate. Like, I love, I love Cool Runnings, but that's an interesting choice for favorite film. What is it about that movie that that makes you love uh, it so much? It just makes me, I don't know, just happy. It gives me the, the nice, warm and fuzzy. Yeah, you know? yeah. John Candy. Yeah, he's great in Leon. it. Leon. Leon has no last name. <laughs> is that? <laughs> <laughs> it's just Leon. <laughs> is he the guy who plays um? Uh, Doris, yeah. <laughs> his, his name's just Leon. Yep. <laughs> and then, oh, we can't forget Dougie. Dougie Doug. Doug. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta love him. Oh man. Yeah, and then Malik Yoba went on to do a bunch more other stuff. Anyway. Such such strange names. Leon, anyway. Dougie Doug, a man with whose last name is Candy. <laughs> <laughs> Holy crap, I am not good for keeping us on on test. It's okay. <laughs> Uh, cool Runnings is a good movie, though I must say. Like, it's hard. It's one of those where it seems like a strange choice. Like, oh, that's your favorite Cool Runnings, but you go name a better film, and they go, uh, uh, well, 
I think a lot of people could name better no, films. I don't know. I challenge anyone listening right now to to email us at hoopercast at gmail.com and tell us what, what what movies do you think are objectively better um, for what they are, important caveat, than Cool Runnings. Um, or you can call into the show, actually, 251-333-8732, leave us a voicemail, and explain yourself to me why you think Cool Runnings shouldn't be Kellen's favorite movie. <laughs> um, <laughs> see how I did that? If you do want to go to the theater this weekend and see some stuff, there is, um, <clears throat> like I said, three movies I have heard of coming out this weekend. There's Ma, which is um, a ridiculous-looking horror film starring um, Octavia Spencer. Um, yeah. Um, there's Rocket Man, which is the latest um, possibly ill-advised biopic of a living musician um, or recently dead musician in the case of, well, no, Freddie Mercury died a long time ago. Anyway, yeah, popular musician. <laughs> um, I was trying to link too many things that, that shared nothing in common with each other. <laughs> um, starring Taron Edgerton. This is the story of John, of uh, John Elton. God, Elton John. I know what this movie's about, you guys. And then there's Godzilla King of Monsters, which is, I guess, is that is that a direct? Is this is an actual sequel to the to the 2014 Godzilla, right? I think it's not. I mean, it's a sequel to it, but it's not direct. As in, I don't think there are any continuing characters except for um, Godzilla. What's his name? No, <laughs> no, no. Uh, what's his name? Oh, uh, I... oh, Ken Ken Watanabe. Ken Watanabe? <laughs> Yeah, he's he's a returning cast member. All right, I'm pretty Thank sure God. that's it. He's a big draw. Well, anyway, um, um, <laughs> um, okay. Well, it, it looks cool that 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 um, uh, Millie Bobby Brown is in this film. Also, though, if you from Stranger Things, um, and uh, I thought I saw Kyle Kyle Chandler in there too. Yep, that guy was in the Peter Jackson King Kong also. A lot of big monsters for Kyle Chandler. Really? Yeah. Wait. Then he. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Then then there that this is how they're bridging the gap for the movie that's going to be King Convert versus Godzilla. Do you think so? Because no 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 no. I'm talking about the Peter Jackson King Kong, not the not the oh, not Kong. Oh 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 oh. Yeah. Not, so not, I didn't um, see the most recent one. No, not Skull Island. No no no. Okay. I was like, I don't know, Kellen, because this, the, the, the Peter Jackson King Kong takes place in the 30s, and he looks about the same <laughs> age. And I'm pretty sure I saw him holding a cell phone, so I'm, I'm not sure the actor is uh, immortal. <laughs> yeah. Um. Anyway, well. <clears throat> Actually, I have something to uh, to say about these movies coming out this weekend. You could actually see any of these movies this weekend and get $5 off your first ticket if you want to use Adam, which is a ticket app, if you didn't know that. Um, but the context I was just using to talk about it with. Anyway, yeah, $5 off your first movie ticket. If you want to click the link, it's actually in the show notes on the live stream, and I'll put it in the show notes of the podcast if you're listening later. But um, it's Adam, A-O-T, wow. Let's try that again. A-T-O-M-tickets.pxf.io slash Hooper. It's a it's complicated. That's why I pasted it down there for you so you don't have to use your memory and stuff. Um, if you want to use that to get your tickets, it's $5 off. And if you like it, you can keep coming back to Adam. And then every time you buy tickets from Adam, you can be supporting the show that way in a very small but significant way. You could do that. Plus, it's just good. Um, Dustin uses Adam all the time. Um, I have used Adam one time to buy my tickets to John Wick three. 
which is the last movie I saw in theaters. So I will leave it up to you to decide that I'm obviously going to use it again because it was cool. It was so cool. The guy ripping the tickets didn't even know what it was. He almost didn't let me in. And I scanned the code and he was like, oh, <laughs> showed him. Was he 80? No, he was like... He, he was just like, made him say, oh, <laughs> oh, this is amazing. <laughs> He's... <laughs> He just, I don't know, he was he was whacked out. I'm not, I don't know. He was, a, he was 17, you know. Um, anyway, yeah, so $5 off your first movie ticket. Adam.tickets. Adam-tickets. Just click the link. <laughs> All right. Uh, Kellen, you know what? Yep. <laughs> this is a great time to uh, change the subject and talk about Game of Thrones. Oh, boy, let's do it. They're coming. Our enemy doesn't tire doesn't stop, doesn't feel. I promise to fight for the living. I intend to keep that promise. Let's give just a basic, like we would a, a movie, okay? Let's give a non-spoiler, generalized reaction to the, the maybe the finale or the final season or the show as a whole. Um, for anyone who's... Here's the thing, though. See, okay, if you're listening and, we're, and we're, if we were talking about a movie right now, we would normally be saying, you know, here's, you know, my star rating for this film. Here's what I like about it, um, you know, maybe some issues with it, and here's whether or not I think you should go see it. And then we would tell people, hey, we're going to go into spoilers, um, depending on the film, and we'll go into more depth. It's hard, because if you... If I'm having to sit here and recommend whether or not you should watch Game of Thrones, then you've been sitting around for eight years, eight or ten years, while this thing's been going on, and you've actively not been watching it. So I feel like I'm not really here to recommend the show to anybody necessarily, although that's sort of the utility of, of this show. So um, I'm sort of at an impasse. So I must just say, um, Kellen, just real quick, just just so I know, can I get your answer real quick so I can formulate this thought? If someone's listening who has not watched Game of Thrones before, would you you're, recommend? You're not going to do anything to change their mind is if that's what you're going to say. Well, right. I guess so. Yeah. I, I guess. Yeah, you're right. Okay. <laughs> Forget it. <laughs> Good night, everybody. <laughs> I mean, it's just kind of mo- like, you know, some of the people that haven't seen it are people who genuinely don't care. And then yeah. some, you know, I know the type that doesn't Angrily. watch it because they purely want to be able to say that oh, I don't watch it. Mm, okay. Yeah. Well, so. they must have fulfilling lives. Uh, maybe, you know, you'd hope. Yeah. Well, okay. I, I guess I'll just say this. Um, when I was thinking about like what would I give the show overall, you know this, you know, including this last season, like we're 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 gonna talk about the season in just a second, but overall, um, on a scale of one to five stars, I'd probably give Game of Thrones as a whole three and a half stars. Um, it's 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 a little more than than fine, you know. It's um it's very well for the most part, is very well-realized show. It's a very technically well-executed show. Um, 
I think for years watching it, I've really appreciated the production design and, you know, costumes, anything that goes into like a fantasy period, you know, drama action, um, kind of show. And, uh, there's a lot to be proud of with the show when it comes to, um, the presentation of it. And, um, and so it's, it's a little bit above that tier, but I think the fact that it sort of just kind of lost its way in terms of story and character, toward the end of the series that that would sort of dip it down because to me, a four star is, is, um, you know, I, I liked this, you know, I, there's stuff I like, and then there's a little bit there for me personally. And then there's five stars, which is like, I I loved this and I didn't love this show. I liked it, but I liked it a little bit less than like being able to stand back and look at it as a whole and go, Hmm, it is good. Because mm-hmm. it's just, I don't, I don't know. It, I mean, it's it's a time investment. So when it comes down to it, like this isn't a show that I would watch all the way through again, like I would with like Justified or Breaking Bad or The Sopranos. You know, I I I wouldn't watch this show all the way through again. So that kind of lands it down to three and a half stars for me. Um, I don't know what Kellen. What do you? What are you? Are you above that or below that? Um, I'm at. A, I, I'd give it about a three. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, I mean, I was super duper into it uh, from its first season yeah. on. Um, uh, I would, I would say I read all the books, but I, I guess I'll be pedantic and say that I listened to all the books on audiobook <laughs> while I worked, so that people don't want to yell at me when sure. I eventually say that later. Yeah, when you're, um, you're pulled before grand jury, Mister Stover, did you in fact did read, you read these books, sir? <laughs> And I'd be like, damn it. You're like crying. <laughs> no, I listened um, to them. <laughs> so, so I had the, you know, the benefit of, of um, essentially uh, listening to the book and then the, the first season of the show, which it was pretty close. And then seeing how the divergence between the books and the show yeah. kind of uh, spiraled. But I don't know. I, um, if, if it hadn't been for the, you know, poor quality of the last two, two and a half seasons. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd probably give it a four, but yeah, me um, too. I just, I mean, we're probably going to widen this into a, a larger conversation. It's just, I think what it showed is, is that television writers have tropes that they can't escape. And when they are, you know, when the source material is gone and they're just given an outline, mm-hmm. they just go back to the same uh, TV. Well, and, dump out a lot of the same crap yeah. uh, on top of characters that had been better uh, uh, realized yeah. than I think the writers even realized. I don't know. Yeah, It, um, it felt like fan fiction. That's what, it, that's what I always say. It feels like watching someone's fan fiction come to life. I, 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 it, there's this idea, of course, that like, I think that as a writer, you need to be I mean, it's it's fine to be good at one thing principally. Like, oh, this is what I, I adapt novels. This is what I do. Like, I I adapt novels into screenplays. Like, they're they're writers who make their living just doing that, and they're writers who only write original stuff every like seven years, and that's that's how that's their art. And there's other people who write for TV or adapt this or that, whatever. Like, but I think that if you're going to be a showrunner and if you're going to be in charge of writing a TV show, you know. <clears throat> who knows they could have been a victim of timing like oh yeah well obviously George is going to finish the books by the time we even get close to the end of the series so I'm not too worried about where the show's going to go and then you get to season five and it's like hey man 
do you even have like a manuscript? And he just goes, nope. <laughs> and they go, yeah. oh, oh, fuck. Yeah. They're, <laughs> you know, yeah. They, they're probably, you, you said that they're waiting, you know, to see, uh, like, oh, he'll certainly be done. Yeah. With he'll, 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 no, those are, the, George, that's the voice of people who are, who are, who are expecting someone to do the work for them, basically. Like, yeah, yeah you're here to adapt the books, but I mean, thinking for yourself would also be nice, sir. Yep. <sighs> well, I don't. I don't think I think he's gonna have a heart attack and die uh, before he. I'm I'm not even joking. Um, uh, I'm su- I'm sure he's got a dead man's trigger and a uh, uh, what do you call it? Someone that writes after you're dead. Oh, like a ghostwriter or something up up. Pos- Sorry, <laughs> it, I didn't mean that. Is it a ghostwriter because he's dead and he's a spooky ghost? I didn't, I didn't mean that. <laughs> Oh, I can't remember. I can't remember what it's called. But anyway, there's another fantasy yeah. book series that uh, called The Wheel of Time. Mm. Uh, I think it's Robert Jordan. Uh, he wrote extensive enough notes that I think his son followed behind him and finished the series. So, oh, okay. You know, I don't uh, think George he, R. R. Martin has a son, but <laughs> he, he's um, well. It's possible he probably just has. He probably has a lot of notes scribbled somewhere. Or he has. He might. I mean, there was a guy who wrote uh, three large books on like, um, oh, what's his name from England in the during World War Two, uh, Winston Churchill. Um, there was like, I think after he wrote the second book on that guy, he died, and so um, the the notes were basically finished by another writer. So it, the third book is released is is you know technically authored under both of them. Yeah. I mean, there's some, there's gonna be some understudy, someone that the publisher like insisted, like, Hey, look, just in the event of your death, like we would like blah, blah, to have access to your notes so we can actually finish the book. I don't know. I mean, <clears throat> I, I don't at this point really care how they, cause I, I never read the books. Um, so I'm not invested in how the book story actually ends. Um, I, you know, it's, it, it's whatever. <clears throat> there's people out there who think that when George, George will now finish the books because the popularity for the show is still high enough to where he could get people to buy them and possibly get a more satisfying ending um, than the ones they got on the show um, in a brilliant marketing move by by him. And and that somebody might come by and adapt the show again now that the whole story is complete and that um, and that people will then see that that show as the real game of Thrones and the look back on this as just some weird fan fiction that existed because the books weren't finished. Um, I mean that, that is, I'm not going to call it a popular theory, but that's a theory out there that, (laughs) that, that people believe, you know? Um, I don't know. I, I actually, I, I, um, I'm actually excited for the books to come out. Yeah. If they do, you know, if, and when they do, because, uh, even if even if like the general uh, middle thread story mm-hmm. is exactly the same and plays out the same, yeah, there are tons of really interesting side stories going on in the book that the show never touched on. Sure, um, which you know it really always it sucked because it shows you that they're inconsequential. Yeah, um, unless the writers really deviated from what the uh, book ending is going to be. I see but, what you're saying. So, they, they, yeah, yeah. So I don't want to say spoilers because it's not a spoiler for the show. But if you no. intend to read the books, there's like there are lots of characters that 
haven't been resolved so far in the books that you're like, how can what is going on with them be so unimportant? I don't understand. That was one of the things about the Harry Potter books that like that those actually did pretty well. At least I remember was like, cause I, I watched, we watched Deathly Hallows part one. And then in the eight months between that and part two, I read all the books mm-hmm. uh, for the first time. And, um, and so I'd be reading the books and I'd go, oh, this is a subplot I don't remember. This is okay. And then I yeah. got that thought in my head like, oh, this must not matter because they didn't adapt it. But then it would come into play towards the end of the book and I'd be like, oh, okay. Yeah. So the ending is a little bit, just a little extra layer that's on this ending now that, that makes sense. But I can see why they cut this because that's largely unimportant. It's still fun and good and and enhances everything, but it's not essential to get Harry to this ending. Um yeah. What um what book was it that had uh, Rita Skeeter, who could shapeshift into a, a ladybug? She was a reporter. Yeah, I don't remember what book. I mean, she was in what book did she show up? I in? think that's yeah. I think that's Goblet of Fire. Goblet of Fire is when she shows up. Yeah, I remember. Like she was a pretty important thing in that book. She had a little bit more uh, of an active role in the plot. Oh yeah, and then um, like she's not even in the movies. I don't think she she oh she is. Yeah, what? Rita Skeeter. Oh yeah, Rita Skeeter is a significant part of because that's that's sort of when um, you start to get. No, this. what movie? You saying she was in the movie? Yeah, she was in Goblet of Fire. Yeah. Wait, wait, wait. Yeah, okay, yeah. Then my whole point is moot. So. No, well, she but she was she was obviously a bigger part of the books, but like Rita Skeeter was like because that's how they started to introduce this idea of like the media like sort of starting oh. to twist Harry's words and and. Jeez. That's where he started to experience like, oh, perception is reality, you know. Yeah, but my my dumbass was saying that Rita Skeeter wasn't even in the movies. So yeah. apparently, I am, <laughs> I am, I don't even know. <clears throat> yeah, an idi- other than an idiot. Um, well, how about this? Let's do this. Um, I'm gonna throw it to a break. We're gonna cut the live stream off. And um, again, if you are listening to the live stream and you want to hear the rest of the show, we're on iTunes all the podcast platforms go find us Hoopercast movie hour it's a white logo with some sketch sketch um uh renderings of me and dustin <clears throat> and um we this is our 204th episode we do this every week it's fun we have kellen on sometimes we have other people on other times and uh, we talk about movies so and tv occasionally uh all right so yeah back after this Hoopercast movie hour number 204 be right back yelling at me <laughs> I, I thought that was an old lady <laughs> <laughs> it's just the it's just the old naked lady from the it trailer <laughs> doing her little jig in my kitchen i laughed my ass off yeah, at that that was trailer. the weirdest thing to watch like it was such a such a such an anachronism because like it was it was like this weird like Ooh, I'm naked we gotta get to the wall before she sees me and it's like wait a second is this is this for real or is this like a is this like a scary movie five to a sort yep. of deal and then like right after that like it like the trailer stops screwing around and it's like are you and it like oh the the <laughs> under the feet 
I think the camera angle is like under her. Yeah, it's weird. But the, yeah, but then yeah. like at the same time, it's like it's shooting through her crotch. It's like, oh God. I um. Is that I, what I'm, am friend, I supposed to be scared of naked old people? My friend Willis and I busted out laughing. That's so uh, weird. When she did the little like um, so she does the little like creepy you know, uh, randomly dropped frames. Uh, you know what they do that where to give them like the creepy girl from the Grudge kind of look. Uh huh. Where she's crawling around around the ground and yeah. and all that jazz. Yeah. So they do that with her once, but the they the, do we. Yeah, when she first walks in, she's like down the hallway or something. Oh. Anyway, but then then she, when she does the little like naked scurry across the kitchen <laughs> in the background, yeah. I, I was laughing so hard. Ugh. And I didn't know what I was watching and it like cut to the young uh whatever her character Beth. Her name. Yeah, it cut to like the young uh, child actor and I was like, "Oh my god, this is the this is the intro. That, was, that wasn't supposed to be funny. Oh no. Anyway, I'm back at I'm, I'm back. Okay. because I was talking. All right, back on Hypercast Movie Hour. Kellen is joining me. My neighbor Kellen. Howdy. You still um put? I haven't opened my SoundCloud app in a little bit. In a little bit. When's the last time you put a song out on SoundCloud? Uh, like a week and a half ago, maybe. Yeah, I slowed down for a while. I probably will for a little bit longer. Work is like crazy right now. So, dude, me too. Like, I, 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 I was very, I was public about it on social media. Like, hey guys, I'm gonna like start writing again, and I'm, I'm letting you all know because I want, I want you to hold me accountable, you know. And, uh, and then work just started piling up, and, um, Mm -hmm. and I just, I just couldn't. I couldn't do it. I haven't written anything in, in months. It it was a colossal failure to like try to like, you know, basically adopt the internet as my as my sponsor and yeah. <laughs> keep me writing. <laughs> um <clears throat> it just didn't work because it was you know, obviously no one's gonna check in like, hey man, do you uh, did you write? Yeah. You know Did you get your ten pages? Hey, did a good job, you know, hey, good for you. Oh, it's, oh you know, it's not always easy, you know. Um, but uh God, I just got so busy and uh, I just couldn't. It was one of those things where I was like, oh, I don't have time to write. And it just, it's, it's, I don't know if this is a sad thing or not, but it's one of those times where when I just sort of put the extra hours into the job and get the get the, the overflow taken care of, I, I do feel a oh, strange. It's a, I don't know if it's the same feeling, but right now it is. It's like a, a nice um, methadone of, of that feeling of having written the pages. It's like a yeah. similar feeling of, okay. I took care of the work. I feel better now. Yeah. And it's, I don't know. It's, it's not like, it's not the same at all, but it's, it's enough to where it's like, okay, well I have to get this done and I'll feel better when I do. So let me just do it. Yeah. That's, I, I get that feeling on freelance. Yeah. Uh, illustri- illustration work and stuff that I do. Yeah. I figure I, I would, I was just going to say, I think it's probably would be the same feeling if I actually like was writing, like if I was actually putting in time and selling scripts and writing part time, like, Oh, I guess I can't, I I can't do this, but I got to, I got to finish this. So that feeling of there's two things I want to do, or there's two things I feel like I need to do at night that I, that I haven't put the time in on and it's bugging me. And one of them will pay me money and the other will not. So which one am I going to do? You know, <laughs> Dude, I, it's that's I'm the same way. I've been doing way more music than illustration for the past six months. Yeah. And yeah. That is, that does literally doesn't make me money. I was doing this show almost nightly for a few months. Holy crap! Not really? not not the not the entire movie hour, but I was no, doing but like 
I was doing cutting it together and everything. Yeah. Well, no, like I was, uh, well, th- you know, months ago where we, or years ago, whenever we did, like when Dustin and I would like gang tape the video show, we would record like four half hours in one night. And then I would spend like two weeks, like editing them, um, like with a bunch of different stuff. And it just, eventually it was like, why, why am I doing mm-hmm. this? And I, it, was, it was taking up all of my time. Um, Dustin felt bad cause I was just doing all this work <laughs> and then like, you know, uh, even when we were like, Hey, this is just gonna be like a, you know, an audio show. I was putting out more audio. I was like, okay, so when we don't do the movie hour, I'm going to do like a nightly film news show and I'll just sort of throw it in there to supplement it. And, and that was fine, but it was, it was just hard to do it. It just, I'd, I'd come mm-hmm. in here every night and sit down and talk for like a half hour. And, um, and it was fun, but after a while, like I ran out of steam and I was like, okay, like, Whew. It's hard. Yep. I mean, and, and you're expected to put that much effort into a, sorry, to put that effort into your job job. Right. Exactly. And it, it gets exhausting. You know, it's, it's one of those things where it's like, it's, it's fun. And I, I enjoy doing this show. I love having you on and Michael on and John and doing the show with Dustin. Dustin, and I have, you know, I, I, maybe I'm more serious about it than he, than he is with this particular, um, fantasy but i've told him i say wouldn't it be great if we could just do like we could just do three hours of this show like every day like live on facebook and like actually make money doing it like wouldn't that be cool if we we had like a legitimate like side business with this show like that'd be awesome and and it would be awesome (laughs) but that's not what we're doing (laughs) you know yeah um i don't you probably are like me too and uh a lot of the things that i want to do the most are the things I have the most control over. Yeah, well, exactly. Like nobody, nobody gets to tell me what, uh, what to do with my song. But even in freelance illustration, they're like, you know, I get notes notes back from my client. Oh, so, God. uh, yeah, it's just nice to have one thing that you're like, this is mine. You can't yeah. have it. You can't yeah. touch it. And I, I, it, everybody does what I say. That's why I'm cool with like this conversation happening right now. I don't care that we're not talking about movies at all right now because <laughs> oh yeah, Game of Thrones. <laughs> well, because one, I don't have a segment producer telling me like you know to move it along, and and even then, like Dustin and I got really good at doing the show like on a bullet point, but then like it was just too much traffic copying, you know? Yeah, and we were yeah, like, yeah, you yeah. know, we want it to be tight like a like a real radio show, but we also. It's not, and it doesn't have to be that tight. There's no, you know, we have one commercial break because we do have an ad, but like that's, it's not imposed by the half hour. You know, I can take that break whenever I want. So, um, yeah, anyway. Yeah. Um, yeah. Anyway. Hi everybody. <laughs> um, welcome back to the Hoopercast. We're talking about the show, obviously. Um, you would know that because you're now listening on one of the podcast modalities. Good for you, sir or ma'am or sir. Good for you all. Thanks. We're talking about we're talking about Game of Thrones a little bit more here tonight with Kellen. So, um, so this season was short, six episodes, which is not enough in a you know in a in a season that's not like Silicon Valley or Barry, you know, like a, a you know an hour long drama that usually does, you know, 12 or 15 episodes in a season to do your final season with six. I just, in principle, like that, that was the first like red flag to me with this season was like just six. Like you're going to wrap up this show. You're going to, you're, you're going to, you just brought these characters together. You're going to tell this whole story in six episodes. Are they yeah. going to be like three hours long? And then an hour and a half. And that wasn't the case. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. One will be an hour and a half. Oh, 
okay. Um, it's, it's weird, you know. I don't know. I mean, even even shows like The Sopranos, like when they when they would split the final season into two parts, it was still like nine and nine episodes. Yeah. Um. I, so yes, I agree that it was fast, but um, the thing that bothers me the most is that there are um, like when a character was traveling or doing something, it was always used as like a method to kind of either remove that character or have some other story. Uh, unfold on their journey. Yeah. So the the show didn't play by its own rules. It literally was like jumping, like someone in one scene goes, I'm going to go to here. And then like the next scene, they're there. Yeah. And you're like, this used to be over the course of like a season. Like all of this feels yeah. like somebody's pressing the fast forward button on, I guess, a, v- a VHS. Yeah. Do they, they have fast forward buttons still, right? Yes. Yeah, they do. Not just. <laughs> yeah. Okay. All right. I, you know, I don't know what the kids these days. By the use. way, just a side note: fast forward on a VCR was way more effective than fast forward on streaming. Oh, it's that terrible. shit breaks all the time. It's so frustrating. I'm. It's it's uh-huh. horrible. And I was I was an ace with the VCR. I could I, I knew exactly how fast it was and how, what the delay was on the stop button. Yeah. And you could you could see what was going on on screen, and yeah. that's what Game of Thrones this season felt like. It felt like someone had their <laughs> finger on the fast forward button. Yeah, and I'm like, wait, 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 wait! Didn't didn't I just see Kit Harrington's naked ass where you guys were hooking up at the end of last season? Yeah, and now like three episodes in, I'm supposed to like feel something right yeah (laughs) is that why you brought me here to to make me feel something i'm didn't work i'm sorry to disappoint you wait are we in a spoiler zone yeah yeah we are um i was gonna i was gonna ask you what did you a are you fine with bran being on the throne and and okay and and if you're not um how would you have rather seen like if you could only change this season right like or the last episode let's confine it to this season since it's so gosh darn short you know <laughs> let's let's yeah. let's say if you could have changed the events of these six episodes what you what would you have done differently um well you're talking about bran um it, it made no sense why nobody was fighting over who should be the king like Tyrion says it, and then everybody's like, oh, okay, cool. Even though the Tully guy tried to put his hat out there for a weird bit of, like, not necessary comedy. Yeah. yeah. Uh, in that episode. Um, no, I just think it's silly because... Um, I, so, Bran is the three-eyed raven, right? Yeah, and he, he's a, so he he's supposedly the, does not want... Yeah, so he's the eyes and ears and all that jazz yeah. uh, of he's the history of Westeros and blah, 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 blah. And he can see the future and stuff like that. And I'm like, first of all, someone who can see the future kind of just ruins everything narratively. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. I don't know. I just wasn't fine with it. And then like, uh, so I honestly think like John killing Danny was fine it just needed two seasons to build up to that um because the what they did in the course of six episodes could have easily be spread like all of that could be spread between like the next two books to come out yeah um and it's just it's too abbreviated i didn't care for people and then people started doing things that were just com- like completely against what their character had been yeah 
Uh, I've watched a fair amount of video essays about this about this show, um, and everyone seems to agree that you know it was as soon as the books ran out of story, the writers had to start scrambling. Like, okay, like what's our story going to be? Yeah. And that's where like subtlety and like I- implied, um, you know, a lot more implications sort of went to the side, and you had to be a lot. And they just they started getting a little more explicit about like, you know, a little less clever with the dialogue when they had to come up with it on their own and, and they couldn't stick to the characters choices. And so people like Tyrion who, who are famously intelligent started making worse and worse decisions, but with, but with no ironic twist, like, Oh, look, it looks like your luck ran out Tyrion. It was just, he just started making dumb decisions um, and not learning from them. Which yeah. was strange. Even Peter Dinklage, you can see in interviews, he's like, "Why am I doing? Like, what? Why is he? he there's the, there's a famous one. It's floating around online where they're interviewing him about the 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 Winterfell, the Battle of Winterfell, and he's like, Tyrion's so smart, but he decided to put all the women and children down in the crypt to fight the dead people. Okay, yep. he's like in a crypt, in a crypt with dead people, <laughs> with a guy coming that you know wakens dead wakens people the dead from- people." <laughs> Yeah, it's it's stuff like that. So, um, yeah, when it lapped the books yeah. and they ran out of source material, also what happened was... So, the fun thing about Game of Thrones was always that um, none of it was preordained. Like, you, shows will do, sting, do things to, like, set up a character. So, you kind of know who's going to be important, who's going to die, etc., etc. Mm-hmm. The show is always very good about, like, people were following their uh, motives... Uh, so you'd think that those motives will play play out, but there's too many people and they're at each other's throats. So some of these are going to get snip snipped out of nowhere and you're not going to know. And that's why the Red Wedding was so effective was that you were like you were you were uh, projecting out like what Rob was going to do, how the North was going to, you know, uh, be handled uh, in this war. And then, nope, too bad. He's he's freaking dead. Yeah. And as soon as they uh, passed the the source material um, what they did was they they made it very obvious what characters were going to be important, which characters were going to not die, and which ones were going to die. And then have you you know what plot armor is, right? Uh, no, I've never heard that. Oh, so plot armor is like um, it's basically when the writing either issues logic and reason um, to basically protect a certain character mm. uh, because they want to do something oh, with them. Oh, I see what you're... Yep, I, I understand the concept yeah. So So some, sometimes like people call it um, plot armor if like a character survives something that they shouldn't. It's essentially... It's, yeah, it's essentially like the writer's... It, it's bad writing is what plot armor is. Yeah. It's, it's the idea yeah. that like, oh, this wouldn't play out this way, but I really have to make sure that the plot uh, keeps going and this yes. this this occurrence would logically stop the plot. Where a good writer would say, okay, so how do we write ourselves out of that hole? How do we alter the plot You know, because of this inescapable logical situation? And a bad writer goes, I'm just going to make this happen anyway. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Like the 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 good writer wouldn't even put that character in that position for them to have to like do the gymnastics, right? Right. For, exactly. Which, so so essentially, so what I'm saying is that the writers they plotted out and they planned. You know, good for them. They they got a plan together about how to end it, but they just essentially just made it so obvious. Like watching the Battle of Winterfell was so annoying. I'm like, okay, 
I know none of these characters are going to die because you keep cutting away when they're getting overwhelmed and then you come back and they're still alive. And they just kept doing that. Oh, that bothered that. me so much. I was, I was, they, there was a particular shot where they, they, it's an overhead it shot. Of, across all of them. Yeah. Well, there's an overhead shot of, of the, of Theon and everyone at the, at the God, in the Godswood with, uh, with, with Bran and they have bows and arrows and they're like, oh, freaking out. Like, oh, I can hear the night, the, I can hear the dead, you know? And it, mm-hmm. and it, it pans up from above them and the dead are running at them like swords up and they're drawing a bow and the dude is like within arm length arm. There's like three within arm's length of Theon. I was like, okay, so when we come back to this scene, they're all going to be dead. They're going to be like eating Bran, you know? Yeah. And then they come back and they're just mowing them all down with these, with these bows and there's no, and there's none of them in sight. They're all still at the tree line. It's like, this makes no sense. Like you, you cut away from, from a very, a very explicitly, shown like hey they're gonna get this overwhelmed this person's being overwhelmed like, yeah, yeah. And, then, and you're cutting back and it's like oh they didn't even get close like that's it's God. it's inconsistent it's bad directing yeah the show did the, that episode and that whole battle sequence did it all the time and it was exhausting by the end of the episode you know i watched this by myself so you know if i watch a comedy sometimes i don't laugh out loud all that you know by yourself uh you screaming at the watching, tv <laughs> Well, yeah, so I have no reason to say anything out loud, but I remember sure. like when it when it showed this shot of it panning from like Podrick to um to Brienne uh to Brienne to to uh Jamie and everything yeah. just like s- flooded with people for like the third time. I audible I just said, you know, uh I just said fuck you out loud and yeah. I was just so frustrated um because it was, you know, it was a really cool thing that they could have done a lot better but that it's it's almost like none of the writers thought to maybe look into you know fighting strategy and all this stuff like right uh how did how did daenerys get back like thousands of dothraki that all got slaughtered there's there's i've heard of um of a guy of, of a couple of like medieval like like a medieval siege strategists like watch watch the episode and go what the fuck are they doing why would they do that like yeah. <laughs> like, like why would you say yeah. why did you why would you send them out that far yeah why did you send the horsemen out that far like, like you and, can't even see how many there are like and that was stupid and also you have catapults for fire yeah i don't think they got used yeah why would yeah why, why would you why would you put the <laughs> Yeah, it just felt like they said, okay, we have all the visual pieces, so let's just do whatever we want. Yeah. And, and like, that's why the, the, but the Battle of the Bastards was, you know, I kind of feel like I should go back and watch that and see if there's any of that bullshit going on I, See, I, maybe, and, and, and it's, it's possible, but I just remember so vividly that Battle of the Bastards was just competently done. And, yeah. and, and there was, there was a shot in, um, I think it was the fifth episode. It was the one after she burns the shit out of King's Landing. And there, there's a whole lot of like wonders of, of following Arya sort of like stumbling through King's Landing, you know, sort of narrowly escaping being burned to death and then like... Getting a daughter and mother killed. Yeah. Um, She lured them out of safety and they got killed. (laughs) Poor writing. Um, And... But but those shots were effectively done. I was like, you know, the show used to do this all the time. They used to have these really good tracking shots with these steady cams, and it we it's and it's, it was really effective and a good a good blend of like practical and and sets with with obviously the CG element, um, it, you know, all made to look like one shot. And and I sort of thought I got a glimpse real quick of like, oh man, that's some of the craftsmanship that used to be present in this show. Like every episode, like it, every yeah. episode used to accomplish one of three things. It was always a really good performance, a really good acting, 
or um, really good like technical like like cinematography. There's always something that stood out about every episode before like this season um, and a little bit of last season too. Like the writing got kind of dumber, but there were still like technical um, yeah. things that that I could appreciate. And I saw that shot and I was like, "What? Are, are, is there going to be more?" And there wasn't. Yeah. To me, that to me, it. what that is is it is the muffled screams of the creatives. <laughs> Uh, saying yeah. we can do cool yeah, stuff, we we're just cr- not getting good material. I know. Yeah, I, I like to think that that shot was like, okay, oh, did David and Dan go to lunch? Okay, guys, throw out, <laughs> th- throw out the the storyboards for this scene. We have one hour. We're gonna do this all in one shot. Let's do it. Uh, and they just they just shot then, a ton of takes of of Arya. And then in the edit bay, David, Dan and David were like, hey, 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 what happened to the quick cutting BS we wanted to shoot? And that guy angrily throws his hat down and says, I didn't do it. Okay. I didn't do it. No, knowing them, he probably went, no, uh, you, you, you directed this whole portion. Yes. Here. This was your idea. It was your idea. Yeah. Yeah. And they're like, well, yeah, you're damn right. Yeah, of course it was. Yeah. yeah. They don't, they, they didn't pick the, us for Star Wars for nothing. They're the Damon Lindelof and what's his face of lost <laughs> fame. <laughs> the Damon Lindelof and what's his faces. What's his name? What is <laughs> Carlton his name? Cuse. Carlton Cuse. Oh, fuck that guy. The guy who, uh, the guy who looks like Ted Danson. He looks like he looks kind of like Ted Danson and Ron Perlman. <laughs> yeah, he, he looks he like he looks like if Ted Danson was Smart Hulk from the Avengers. Yeah. <laughs> if Ted Danson bit... half hulked out, that's called Carlton Cuse. <laughs> I was gonna say just brutish, but yeah, half hulk is pretty good. <laughs> if um, Ted Danson got stung in the face by a million bees. <laughs> <laughs> um. Oh Jesus. So. Um, yeah, I think we're on the same page as far as what it was lacking. Yeah, um, it it just it, it, it also felt rushed. It, it, well, so my question is why why did they rush it if it's such a cash cow and they, you know, people had to have said like we need this you know this much time to get this amount of well, story. What I heard, why wouldn't they say here have as many seasons as you freaking want? That's basically what HBO did. HBO, I I, I saw some article where HBO, I, I believe someone from HBO claimed like. We told them they had as much time as they needed and as much money as they needed. They pretty much, the, the the claim from HBO was we offered them everything that pretty much was like this is not our fault. <laughs> yeah, you know. Um, and the prevailing theory is that um, is that Dan and David wanted to get done with the show so they could go so they could go ahead and go work on Star Wars. Yeah. And that seems to be the most logical explanation. Aside from, I'm, I'm sure a few details that, that aren't altogether important, but like mostly seems like, yeah, we could do two more seasons of the show, um, and you know, and, and try to wrangle and get. And I, I heard, I heard it was that, and also that the actors are getting too expensive, so they basically had to. That's why the season was shorter, and that's why the the budget, I guess, was smaller because you're having to pay all these actors who are stars now. Um, yeah. and the creatives are sort of, you know, have Kathleen Kennedy waiting on them to come start this, you know, Star Wars movie. So it's just a bunch of like, okay, well, shit, we just got to get this done. And, yeah. and it came out like a rushed half-assed, you yeah. know, last minute project. And where, where, where so I keep, keep looping back. Obviously I'm frustrated. Sure. Um, <laughs> um so it, yeah, so they rushed it to the point where not everybody got their due time. Yeah. Um, and one of the biggest things that pissed me off is the show is just setting up for 
the books too like just for ages and ages of just going i just want cersei to get her comeuppance i want Mm -hmm. her to i i want it so bad like you feel you feel kind of gross about how much you want a character to die Mm -hmm. um and then the show i think she had like two spoken lines in this season she 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 was barely there man yeah so okay so the the freaking like apex of this story of this, uh, this you know, the usurper on the th- throne that we all hate. Yeah, we forget about her for like four episodes, and then when she when she was getting like, you know, uh, the town was being destroyed and everything, yeah. and she was, you know, uh, Kyburn was getting all you know, worried and stuff like that. Yeah. I'm like, I don't even care anymore. Well, when she died, when she died, yeah. they also didn't show it. They did it a freaking screen wipe with bricks and stuff. I mean, yeah, I, you assume she's dead, but like. Sure. Really? They, they, yeah. See, for me, here's how I felt. I, I didn't feel... When all this stuff, when every character meets their conclusion, be it uh, death or, you know, where they'd go, I didn't feel much. Um, and it was mostly... And I was telling my wife, I said, you know, I think it's because we waited so long between seasons and... And the writing was so bad that I didn't, I've sort of lost my connection to these characters since last season. Mm -hmm. Um, And they weren't clever enough in this short amount of time to get it back to me. I said like, you know, I said, listen, because she was like, oh no, they took some pretty bold, bold choices, you know, at the end there to to put them in these situations. I said, well, it's not that bold because it's the end of the show and you don't have to, you don't have to write the next episode. So you can write them into whatever interesting or, you know, scandalous situation you want to write them into because you don't have to follow it up. You don't have to pay it off. So said you ha- you have to you have to raise the bar for a final season because yeah they're going to make def- they're finally going to make definitive choices and kill characters because they don't have to do a show without those characters after the, the thing is over um you you have to raise the bar you can't treat it like it's mid season and they're doing these things you have to treat it like yeah. this is the end and yeah. i expect more from the end of a show th- than what i got here i got standard fair for the end of a show which is why it's a three and a half star ultimately but like I said I, I just wasn't connected to these people anymore, and um, uh, and and so when when someone like Cersei, you know, they barely put her in the rest of the show, and it's like, yeah, I hate this person, but every time I see her, I don't feel anything anymore. It's just like, okay, like, so, I mean, I don't know. And the, the only thing that I was left thinking through these whole episodes was, well, this is going to go one of two ways: either she's going to get her comeuppance, or she won't. Like. And I sort of, yeah. I was, I was just, I found myself prepared for every eventuality, um, of this show, whether she actually got away and lived and, um, and we never got the satisfaction of her dying. I was prepared for that. I was like, oh, they could go that way. And I mean, I'd be, I just, I sort of thought there's nothing they can do to end this show. That's going to be interesting to me. Um, yeah. like they can, they can make this choice or that choice, but ultimately I just don't feel like I'm going to be that interested in what they decide to go with. Um, so I was actually fine that Cersei got, got killed, you know, off screen by a bunch of bricks because ultimately it didn't matter to me how she died. And I also sort of felt she didn't deserve like a big salacious death either. Um, yeah, I, I just think she deserves screen time leading up to it. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. She was barely, she was an afterthought. It was weird. Um, I, I I was fine with Bran being chosen as the king if you know if the scene's going to go that way if we, if the whole thing is Danny is, is has still managed to break the wheel even if she didn't survive to like oversee it 
um, then yeah, you're going to have the smartest people in Westeros talking about who should be king dispassionately, which is still kind of weird. Um, it sort of works narratively if you want to think of like, oh, well, obviously we don't need another person just taking the throne because look what the fuck just happened. Um, yeah. So let's not do it that I way. Th- let's try a new way. And I was fine with that, but but it does betray character because the Three-Eyed Raven is not even a person anymore. Um, yeah. He doesn't want. And... um. And so, of course, that for their whole thing is like, well, maybe that's why you should lead is because you don't have any like personal, you know, personal, um, you know, mal- uh, malicious motivations. But then Bran says, but then he says, why do you think I came all this way? Which makes it seem like, oh, this guy's been planning this since he became the Three-Eyed Raven. Like, See, I read that line as, why do you think I came all this way? Because he knew the future. Well, yes, like he, he planned it. He knew the future or he or, or what I, 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 I saw it as like a weird like. Like there's just a few times where he grinned at the end of the show, where it was like, "What? Yeah, yeah, yeah." It wait kind a of minute, was like wait, and what? I, and so then I thought, okay, I'm okay with like a Twilight Zoney ending like that. Like, oh, you mean the kid in the wheelchair is going to be the king? Like, oh, and he planned it and whatever. But it's like, but how though? He didn't really. He didn't really. He didn't have an integral role in all these characters' lives that actually moved the chessboard around that much. Like he, he had zero effect on Daenerys. Like he really did. So how could he have, uh, you know, manipulated things to where she actually came to to Winterfell and all that stuff? Like it doesn't make any sense. So yeah, there, I don't think he manipulated it. He, I, I literally yeah. think it's just that he knows the future, so he just goes where he has to go. Right. So like I, he's I, he's like Donnie Darko following his uh, weird little trail. Um. this weird little abyss monster that was going through his house yeah um anyway it was just one of those things where i was like okay i I, none of this bothers me really the way it ends it's just more like okay cool you ended the show good for you you know and the Starks are basically dictators over the entire continent well yeah and the only thing that that i sort of expected out of the show was okay like this whole this whole show begins with you know their father being killed. Like it would be nice to see the majority of these children survive the show and then also be in positions of power um, and influence by the time the show ends. So you you yeah. get a little bit of that. You know, Sansa is Sansa actually has an arc. Sansa is 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 the Lady of Winterfell. Like she's in charge of Winterfell and she's not. You know, she doesn't she doesn't bend the knee to the king. Okay, fine, I accept that. That's all fine. Arya goes off to sail, you know, whatever to the place. Like no one knows what's out there. Well, your brother's she's going to find. She's going to find Frodo in the yeah the Grey Havens. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, why don't you ask your brother? He apparently knows everything. Ask him what's over there. Doesn't he know? Shouldn't he yeah. know? Oh yeah, I was thinking that they're on the docks. <laughs> yeah, and she one. I remember she's just like, "What's west of Westeros?" Yeah. And he goes, I don't know. And she's like, then I'm going there. And I'm like, what kind of character motivation is this? Right. I, I don't know what to do with this character. What do we do? Oh, what did, let's what send her away. <laughs> let's have her ride off into the sunset. Well, ride off? Like, okay, how about she sails off into the sunset? Th- there was... Yeah. There was... And then it cuts... <laughs> yeah, it cuts to Bran right after that. And I remember going, wait, doesn't he know? Yeah. He's <laughs> just like, he's just messing with her. Like, she never paid me back the $5, so I'm going to make her sail around the world. Thinking, He's like, I hate that bitch. I don't want her in my castle. Yeah, I'm gonna send her away for. It's gonna take her about seven or eight years to sail around the world. So <laughs> that should buy me some time to have some fucking time to myself. Yeah, there, there, was, there was that. There was also a lot of people online who were going, "Why does Grey Worm have this much power? 
Like he's he's walking around like you know it's like this man doesn't deserve to live. Like you, wait a second, dude. Like what are you second command here? Like she made him head of his ar- uh, of her armies or whatever or something like that. Right. I think that was. But yeah, it is really weird. Yeah. I'm like, I'm like, didn't like, what you do you just care? Kinda... You're you're a mercenary. Like, you're, what do you care? Your queen's dead. Just go home. And his girlfriend's dead too. Yeah, man. Man. Well, he won't go and do nothing anyway. Yeah. Um, okay, do you have do you have uh, sticking plot points that remain untied that piss you off like I do? I just, I don't think I remember anything. anything. Alright, so. So, do you remember how, like, they showed a lot of this, um, not a lot, they, but when they showed it, it seemed really important. Like, when the Ice King turned uh, the baby from, what's the wilding guy up oh. north... Yeah, has babies and offers it to them. So he turned that, you know, into a weird little ice baby. Um, and they always like use body parts to make the spiral shape. Mm-hmm. Uh, they have that flashback to the children of the forest, and the children of the forest help them escape uh, the uh, the the whites that are coming after them when they're talking to the three eyed raven and everything. Yeah. You know, hold the door and all that jazz. Yeah, all that stuff north of the wall felt like that was going to be the important thing. Yeah. And that this uh, petty squabbles of man is supposed to be put in perspective by this whole Night King oh, army, right. the army of the undead, you know, busts down this wall and it's supposed to be like amazing. And then they have this fight, uh, poorly choreographed, poorly, not choreographed, poorly, uh, I don't know, written in terms of the sequence of events and everything like this. But then he just dies and that's it. We get nothing. We don't know who he was as the man before they turned him. Yeah. Um, we don't know why he's got, you know, why he can bring things back from the dead, what what the baby was all about. Um, uh, it's just, I don't know. I think they were holding back on that because I think that stupid stuff is going to play into this prequel thing that they do. Yeah. It just felt so strange. He was dead and then that was it. That was the biggest threat in the whole show, and then it was it. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't know. It was it, yeah, biggest threat in the whole show, and ultimately it was pretty easily dispatched. Like they shot it like yeah. it was supposed to be really difficult, but then like you know, I guess the characters figure out a way to fight nine of them at a time each, and it became easy. Whereas before it was like handling one strong person, like one person yeah. on a, on PCP. Like it was like, oh my god! Like he's just, you know what I mean? Like it was just, bath salts. just like this body would just run and flog itself into you, and you go, oh shit! Like I can't even raise my sword up, like you know. Oh, it, and then there were slow zombies inside yeah. of the, the library, right? Oh my yeah. god! Yeah, it was I, like that, they were berserker, like World War Z zombies crawling on each other to get over the wall. And as soon as they got over the wall, like they just ran out of gas. What if someone's like, oh, well, it's, it was too hot there? <laughs> They're really tired. <laughs> That, yeah, that's another problem I had with the Battle of Winterfell, um, where Arya is like plowing through tons of these guys, mm-hmm. like is not threatened by anything. Yeah, and then she goes into a library with like six of them, and then is scared out of her mind. And yeah, tries to not make a sound. Someone, I'm like, someone said, uh, someone said, um, it's like you know, outside you're playing like a Lord of the Rings game or something, and then she goes in the library, and suddenly we're in Resident Evil. Where you're just yeah. having to sneak around and hide under tables. <laughs> it's like they wanted a bunch of like freaking genre schlock. Yeah. Uh. Well. Um. Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> it's Game of Thrones. Um. 
I started watching Barry um, since we still have HBO left over. I'm enjoying that uh, so far. That's, I haven't watched that. I started. I'm almost done with Veep. Actually, I started. Okay. It and I'm already almost done. Um, and Chernobyl, which is yes, amazing. we've been watching. I've, I've watched two episodes of Chernobyl. Um, so I'm probably I, here's so here's my quick thoughts on Chernobyl so far. Uh, I really didn't like the first episode. I remember looking at my, really. I, I remember looking at my <laughs> wife and going like, "Look." I've heard this show is good, so I'll keep watching after this. But I just want you to know, like, I really didn't like that episode at all. And she was like, what? She was really upset that I didn't like it. And I just simply said, like, there, I said, I understand we're showing the disaster and everything. And it's like, but I already know the disaster is terrible. So what they need to do is sell me on these characters while I'm in the disaster. And they're not doing that. They spent a whole episode. The first episode was just, look at how bad this is. And it was like, okay. Yes, it's bad. Who are these people? Like, like I want to know who these people are. And well, I, and but so, isn't sorry? Isn't the whole point though that they're they were the ones that worked there and they died? Yeah, but it was one of those things where like I it was, and I told I told I told Tara I was like, um, and I'll tell the listeners in case in case you have not watched uh, Chernobyl yet, um, which is it's a five part miniseries on HBO. It's had four episodes come out already, so the fifth one's coming this weekend. So. I mean, you can't really spoil the show, but you know, hop in, hop on in there and watch it real quick. Um, I'm, I'm too behind myself, as I said, but the show, <clears throat> the show, um, I, I, it's, you know, it opens with a disaster happening and then like, um, it's bad and people's skin, you know, radiation burns and you know, the, the, um, uh, the graphite and everything. Um, I told Tara, I said, this is one of those shows that's hard for me to sort of get into like on, on a, on, on one level, because I don't, I don't know. I'm not very good with history. And so I can't watch shows like this with a very true North because I can't tell, I can't tell what the writers are har- assuming, har- you know. assuming I know. I can't tell what they're harmonizing on. Like, is this, you know, is this supposed to be some like you know conspiracy theorist version of what goes what went on Chernobyl? Or is this a straightforward historical uh, like drama okay. of it? So it's one of those things where I'm like I don't have a baseline for what's going on because I don't understand the history of this, and I don't I don't want to have to go read a book about Chernobyl before I watch the show to understand it. So I do yeah. expect a little bit of like plot handholding for the first couple episodes while you explain to me what's going on and why it matters. Other than and, and I have this rule with movies and TV. I know that people are trying not to die. That's doesn't count for why does this matter? Oh, I'm surviving. I know that, but but why do I care that you survive? You know, I need to like you. Um, yeah. Or you're the villain. Explain to me why you're the yeah. villain. Like one or the other. So for me, they set up this episode where this is happening, and there's people talking in it, and there's people obviously trying to make less of this the disaster than it is. But I was like, okay, so is that a bad guy, or is that an ignorant guy, or is he right? Or well, I couldn't I couldn't tell I couldn't tell anyone's motivations because I didn't know what was actually going on. So wow. it was just hard for me to get a baseline. Now the second episode was completely different. I loved the second episode. There was a lot more explaining done and it was done well and clearly. And I was introduced to Jared Harris's character a little bit better and, um, and, and, uh, Stellan Skarsgård's character. And you, you immediately understood the character dynamics. You understood what was at stake. You understood why, um, time was of the essence. Um, you understood everything and they did a great job with the second episode. So it was one of those things where I go, okay, like, you know, 
and and it's fine because it's a limited series. Like this isn't like this isn't a big four season show that I'm just getting into. Like I'm I started watching it with everybody else, and I won't. There's only five episodes. Like it's not that big a deal. To, and so I said I'll come back for the next episode, and I'm glad I did because now I now I'm enjoying the show. You know. Yeah, the third one, the third episode was great, but the fourth one that aired um, last night actually, it's a Monday show. Mm. Um, that episode was freaking awesome. Mm. It was amazing. Yeah, there's this... So, okay, so a thing that... I think I mentioned it in a text message or something that, you know, between all of us. Um, no, maybe... No, it was on Instagram. Anyway, um, so, like, you know how some people believe in ghosts and some people believe in, you know, like, demons and stuff like... Yeah. like uh, and then, like, supernatural, like, aliens that come in UFOs and, you know, probe people. Yeah. So everybody's got those things that they're afraid of. And like, I don't believe in any of that stuff because I'm such a, uh, uh, I don't know, pedantic asshole who <laughs> can't take anything as a, uh, anything but truth. Anyway, um, radiation to me is, is that like the way that some people are afraid of ghosts or like, you know, being in an old haunted house or something like that. I'm afraid of radiation because it's like the closest thing to a boogeyman monster that you can't do anything about. Mm. So I'm really into this show because the concepts. This is like your radiation. worst fear. <laughs> well, yeah. And what it does to your DNA and like just it's terrifying to me. And if you haven't yeah. read about like this thing called the elephant foot, which is like a coagulation oh. of um nuclear fuel and sand and dirt and stuff that seeps down it was the thing you know they're talking about it going through the bottom uh oh wait you haven't gotten that far never mind okay (laughs) anyway so like there's creepy pictures of this thing that are all pocked by radiation uh affecting the film and stuff like that and it's like in order for someone to take this picture they probably took 20 years off of their life oh my god yeah like so watching the show so my counterpoint, if I loop it back around to uh, you seeing saying that the first episode felt listless, um, I don't know. It might be worth going back to watch it over again either now or later. Yeah. It starts out with the uh, taped um, uh, journals of, um, of of the main character, and like I think the first sentence is what. Oh shit! What was what, it? It's like what is the price? What of are the, the cons? Li- the- what are the price of lies? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So that literally is what the show is about. You'll see, like, the more episodes you get in and the, if you read into the history, so much of the USSR, you know, the Soviet, you know, propaganda machine was hiding information not only from the world, but from its own from people. Some pe- yeah. And all that does is basically create a horrible snowball mm-hmm. where shitty consequences come from this lie and then come from this lie and then come from this lie. So, like, everything that goes wrong is the fault of you know this uh the way that this uh, authoritarian society functions and you just see the stories of all the people who are innocent and you really you really do start to you know feel for a lot of the characters and you just see how it destroyed their lives and and if there wasn't that system of lies and obfuscation and all this stuff like that like a lot less people would have been affected yeah yeah, all the way down to why it even exploded in the first place was was um, not sharing information with people. It's crazy because like you, if you if you know anything about like 
you know, the destruction of the self, the destruction of the ego, like any of these, you know, therapeutic like principles um, Mm -hmm. of self-improvement, then when you, when you see like, you know, world governments or large societies of people, essentially the damage they're doing on a large scale, essentially to, to avoid being seen as incompetent or weak. It's, yeah, it's terrifying to think that like pride essentially um, has such horrific and permanent consequences for millions of people like just to avoid looking weak or stupid or vulnerable yeah the soviet union lied to its own people and cost millions of people their lives and yeah and and made it way worse millions more like a normal life and their descendants and the other interesting thing about it as as this now turns into uh a uh chernobyl podcast um (laughs) Uh, another really amazing thing about it is that the very nature of telling that story um, shows you the like crazy, crazy um, like honor and sacrifice that just the, the every man does yeah. or, or, or gives like um, it's basically like people knowingly. Uh, like they they won't get a direct answer from the government telling them that like yeah if you take this job you're probably gonna die right like in a in a in a year or two, um, and the people knew it but they know what the cost of you know of inaction is and it's just kind of like amazing yeah to see because there are a lot of people that put themselves into that position um, they they task divers with going through highly irradiated water. Yeah, I just, I, that's how the second episode ends. And I, I was thinking, I was pointing out the same thing to my wife. I said, this is, this is what's really good about shows like this is that you're going to show the the people who we have no idea that these people were, were the heroes that actually got the truth out or actually did something for their country yeah. to solve the problem. You have three people who, and I, I said, I said, do you notice how they named them all on camera? She's like, yeah, so what? And I was like, they're naming those people so that people know the names of the divers who who actually did something. Mm-hmm. It's like they're they're trying to highlight these people because they're heroes, yeah. you know. And um, th- you know they they're risking their lives and 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 then some to actually to actually um, drain the tanks or whatever so that they can whatever the core, you know. Yeah, and then they when they can't. Oh, sorry. You it, it's the, the same. It's episode. the same principle as the as the film Valkyrie. Like there, there were notes in, in the, if you've never seen the film Valkyrie, it's a great film. It's about, it's about the, the Germans inside the, inside, um, Hitler's government who tried to assassinate him. And there was notes in Klaus von Stauffenberg's, uh, journals. And part of the reason why they even made the movie, um, was, it was the same principle that, 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 that von Stauffenberg wrote. And it was, we have to show the world that we're not all like him. Like the, 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 the principle of like, there are people inside this government and inside this, this society who actually care about our people. Um, and we're not, we're not, um, we're not beating the drum of the ruler who, who, who is in charge. Like we care and we will defy, we'll defy our, our, whatever, our, our, I don't know, leaders, I guess, like, or, or, or the, or the rules or whatever, if, if they are a threat to the people we swore an oath to. And it's, it's, yeah. that's what's always fun about these historical dramas is, especially when it, when it involves either cover up or like a, or an assassin or, you know, assassinating a dictator. It's the same thing. It's, it's, uh, it's interesting. And it, it sort mm-hmm. of reminds you like, Hey, it's, 
it's not that simple. It wasn't just us versus them. It was us versus him. And then some of them were trying to help, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. And also, um, shoot, I forgot what I was going to say. I don't know. It's a really good show. Yeah. Basically, um, uh, uh, I'm mooching off of Zach and Emily for HBO. Mm. Uh, uh, to, v- to listeners, th- this is a uh, couple that is friends of ours from college. Yeah. Um, and I, I, I didn't, I don't think I was the cause of it, but I, I remember I was like talking about Chernobyl a lot and, and it, it gave me the benefit of, uh, Zach getting into it and deciding to keep HBO until, nice. it's, until it's, until it's over. <laughs> so he was like, yeah, I, I did watch that Chernobyl show and it's really good. And I asked Emily if we should keep HBO for it and she agreed. And nice. so we are. And I was like, yes, I can finish Veep. <laughs> Nice. Good job. Anyway, <laughs> um, I want to talk about one more show tonight. Um, I'll keep it quick because it's, you know, Kellen, you haven't seen it. So, I'll, you know, there is no discussing it. But but speaking of um, Russians and information and the late 80s, um, I finished The Americans the other night or last night. This work can be too much for people, even the best ones. It's just that somewhere, I don't exactly know how, something got lost. You're going to have to make a decision to commit to this life or to get out. It's not easy and it doesn't always end well. You know, not everybody around the world wants us to be able to live in peace. There are people out there who don't like our way of life. The only way to get to peace is to stand firm against those who wish us harm. And believe me, they do wish us harm. There's trouble back home. What are you talking about? Something came up. One of our couriers went over to the Americans. It's been a gold mine. We're going to get the illegals here and all over the country based on what we're learning. The Russians are sitting down with us in public, negotiating this big treaty, but behind our backs, they're still on our weapons and our technology. We've been mad about this a long time. I get why, but this is it now. We believe in something so big. They tell us what to do, and we do it. But we do it, not them. So it's on us. All of it. Um, the Americans was a series on um, on FX. It ran for six seasons. I watched it all on Amazon Prime, so you can go watch it there on instant. Um, and it actually ended, I think, a year or two ago was the, was the actual finale of the show. So um, the Americans takes place uh, in the uh, I, I, I'll just say in the eighties, but we'll go mid to late eighties, I guess, the span of the show, and it's it's. Um, Stars Carrie Russell and Matthew Reese, and they play, um, they play you know a husband and wife living in the D.C. area. They've got a couple of kids. Um, you know they run a travel agency together. Um, you know they had you know they are the nuclear family, and it is nineteen eighty something. You know, uh, you know Virginia basically. Um, they are revealed to be, in, you know, in the pilot episode, they are actually Russian sleeper agents who came to the United States like 20 years ago or whatever and have been living as Americans, as sleeper agents and, you know, spying, uh, collecting information for their their handlers to aid the Soviet Union um, with uh, with their with their intel. And it's sort of the core, you know, conflict of the story is essentially it's really about their marriage and them, you know, quote unquote, like working together. Um, but within a really interesting premise of like, you know, their children having no idea that their parents, you know, <laughs> like are, 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 are Russian illegals basically. Um, 
living under fake identities and, and, you know, killing people and, you know, having sex with informants to get information and, you know, sort of teaming up and going on separate missions here and there. And, um, and just sort of the, the drama that goes on in their daily lives to maintain their cover and to, um, you know, accomplish their missions. And, um, it's really interesting. And, uh, uh, Noah Emmerich, who to Kellen, uh, if you don't know that guy by name, that's the guy, do you remember in Truman show, the Truman show, the best friend, if you Googled him, you'd know who he was if you saw his face. But Noah Emmerich is is um one of the um, main characters of the show who who is Stan Beeman. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. 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 He okay. he 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 plays an FBI agent who actually moves in next door to them and you get a little bit of like a like a Walter White and um Hank uh situation there where where this this guy has no idea, you know, for the vast majority of the show that um that that his best friend and or you know in this case his best friend um is is a you know is the enemy um mm-hmm. and so you get a lot of that tension of um wow this guy lives right next door how are we gonna you know let's be cool like we don't know that he was sent here to find us he might just be moving in next door it might be completely coincidence and uh it's just um it's one of those shows i give this show four stars <clears throat> um this is a show that is very technically well done and it's very well constructed and there's really interesting stuff going on. Um, this is a show where you have to pay attention. You know, there's a lot of stuff going on on the screen. You, you blink and you'll miss it kind of kind of things that are going on, uh, particularly with like tradecraft and like spy um, methods that are, from what I understand, pretty authentic as the creators, I believe, both used to work for the CIA. So they're like really in the know of like how how these intelligence networks would work and how um, these how these soldiers on the street would would operate and recruit other people, um, all their secrets, all the coding. So it's a pretty authentic show when it comes to when it comes to that, and it really shows on screen. Um, and uh, it's just really, it's a, it's just, it's a fun show. Um, it's one of those shows which, again, without the the geopolitical context being something that I'm familiar with and, and good at re- remembering, a lot of times you just sort of don't understand. I didn't understand the significance of something that was going on in the plot because I just didn't understand like, Oh, Gorbachev's doing what? Like, uh, okay. I don't remember. Was that okay? Was that bad or is it good? Just stuff like that. Um, but you don't really need to know that to be invested in the show or the characters. Um, and this is the show that I watched on and off because just when it was convenient. So I wasn't glued to the show. It wasn't like, Oh my God, what's going to happen next? Cause it was always kind of hard to watch, uh, in a way because I, I was working earlier and earlier hours and so I was more and more tired. So it was hard to get through an episode because there's a lot of talking, like there's a lot of dialogue scenes. And then there's a whole lot of scenes where there's no dialogue because people are spying on other people and then not talking or listening to coded messages or reading coded messages. And so, um, so the show is very technically well done. Um, uh, it's just one of those things where it's an acquired taste, but I, I would recommend people watch the show because it is, um, it is just well executed, um, you know, spy thriller drama. And I really think they stuck the landing on their final season, which was just 10 episodes. Um, and all the way up till, you know, the, the last few minutes of the final episode, I was not sure how it was going to end up. There's a, a few, there's a few scenes in, in the finale episode that, that remind me a lot of the Sopranos in the sense of, okay, as the episode gets closer and closer to the end, they're doing more and more mundane tasks in the next scene. I keep thinking, oh my God, they're going to be shot any second, you know, or, or something, something horrible is going to happen. <laughs> and, 
it was just one of those things where it really was a nail biter. And even after like the, sh- the, the episode crescendos, there's still a few scenes after that where you go, okay, but I still want to know where, like, where does that character end up? Where does that character end up? Like, where's all this, how, you know, where does every, where are we leaving these characters? And, um, it was a really satisfying finale, um, that had emotional weight to it. And that really made sense for the characters. I think, um, uh, yeah, I, I, I don't, again, I don't know that I'd watch it all the way back through just because the watching experience, it was more like I, the story was, was, was kind of cool, but just the pace of the show is, is a little slow for me. So I wouldn't watch it again, but I would tell people if you haven't seen the Americans, it's only six seasons. It's a tight six. Um, and it's interesting. And especially if you're into history at all, or you were alive during this, this period, um, it might be kind of fun to, to watch a show set in a context you're familiar with. Um, so yeah, that's the Americans. Um, and, you know, FX does good with these shows. Um, it's hard to, you know, a lot of these, it's never a bad idea to start an FX show. Um, if you, if you haven't, if you're, if you haven't watched any of them, um, I mean, like I, like I said, Justified is one of my favorite shows. Um, and I, and that's a show I will, like I would, and I will watch again because the experience of watching it was so, and I don't even, I don't remember, I don't even remember how Justified ends the series. Um, so it didn't leave a lasting impression upon, upon ending, but the show was really fun to watch episode to episode. So that's why I'll watch it again. Um, but the Americans is a little more ambitious, I think, in what it's trying to pull off. I mean, and it's, it's written within the constraints of real world events. So that's, it has a higher bar than justified does. So I applaud them for being so ambitious with what they wanted to do with that show. And, and I think they, they accomplished it, um, pretty well. So, so good on them. Yeah, that's, I think that's gonna be it, Kellen. Cool. That's the, that's the show this week. I haven't, I haven't watched the Americans. Is it, uh, how many by how many yeah how many episodes by how long uh like average per season um like 12 it's it's you know it's 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 relatively recent and it's on fx so it never had that oh so it's about it's about 42 minutes then or something yeah like yeah it, it was so yeah yeah hour long broadcast length but uh or you know 50 minutes honestly like you know fx can kind of can kind of get away with those uh, you know those stranger air times because they're cable um, yeah. and, you know, shorter seasons because they're cable. So it's, it's a little bit more akin to watching a show, you know, that was made for streaming these days than it is like watching a show like Parenthood, which is, wow, Parenthood is a really good show. It's, you know, it's, it's network length seasons and network, you know, network structured <laughs> episodes. Mm-hmm. Um, again, doesn't stop it from being a tremendously good show, but the point stands, you know, um, a little bit more natural length and natural flow of, of events. If it's a cable show that was made, um, you know, around 2012 or beyond, you know, mm-hmm. which is when the, the landscape kind of shifted towards streaming and, uh, and, and this episode structure. And I have been very happy with it. Yes. Um, all right, everyone. That's it. Thanks for listening. Uh, Kellen, thanks for coming on, dude. I appreciate it. No problem. I have a working audio system now, so <laughs> Yeah, um, we'll do this again soon. Um, uh, Black Mirror is coming back. Uh, oh man, I'm so excited. early June, so uh, we'll uh, be able to talk about that pretty soon. Um, Did you hear that it's only three episodes? Oh, kind of like the first season, huh? 
Yeah, I, uh, I I read an article. It was like three three episodes, and Miley Cyrus is the center of one. And I'm yeah. like, ah, oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> it's interesting. So right. um, I'll still see this sure. as an early birthday present, but you know. Yeah. <laughs> Um, Love me some Black Mirror. Anyway, I'm gonna be I'm gonna be continuing to watch. I'm I'm now in the second season of Barry, the one that just premiered. So I should be able to catch up with that 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 episode probably that season around the time it ends. So I'll yeah. be able to talk about Barry uh, pretty soon on this show. And then I'm not sure what I'm gonna watch. Um, there's some stuff on Hulu. I I think I'm gonna start watching. Um, um just just a peek into what I'm doing. Um, I've never actually I've only seen the first season of Seinfeld. Oh, cr- oh man, that's a good idea. The whole show is on Hulu, so I'm gonna I I'm gonna it. go. I'm gonna start watching Seinfeld every night. Dustin and I can make Seinfeld references around. Oh, you. see, and I know all the Ranger references, but I, there's <laughs> there's still some I don't know, and and I and I I like the show, and I want to watch the the entire show. I'm gonna do that with certain shows, like you know, Cheers and Frasier are on Netflix. I want to. I kind of want to tackle those. But I want to tackle like shorter length shows as well. So I've got uh, yeah. so on Hulu. There's Futurama, which I've I've also never seen. Um, also a favorite. So that's on there too. I'm gonna watch after Seinfeld probably. And then there's Rick and Morty, which I've never seen. Um, so I'm gonna check hey, out. Well, let let me let me know when you watch all of those, and we can talk. I about will. Them. Yeah, I will. I definitely will. <laughs> um, so I'm gonna start a little like TV schedule here. So. Uh, you know, it's it's rare that I, I we're talking tonight about two shows that that I happen to finish in the span of a couple of weeks of each other, um, and so now I've got to go put the time in again, <laughs> elsewhere. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's that's the nature of TV, even these days. So that's the yeah. way the news goes. Yeah, man. Which is a Rick and Morty reference, and you will understand that. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> all right, everybody. Uh, good night. Get out there. See some good right. movies. We'll see you all next week. Thanks for listening. Goodbye. Goodbye.